Greetings, fellow planeswalkers. I'm James. And I'm Paul. And we are the Commander at Arms podcast, where we're going to be talking today about the most underrated and overrated played cards in Commander. But before that, we have our upkeep trigger to do. It is our play of the week. Paul, did you get any to play any games this week? Uh, I unfortunately have been uh, catching up on a lot of schoolwork, um, so I haven't really been able to play any magic at all. Um, James, how Man. about you? I have been playing actually a lot of magic <clears throat> uh, over the last couple weeks or so, um, uh, but nothing's been really standing out. I was just doing a scan over a couple of the games that I've played, and nothing's really been like, that was a play. But there was one game that I was spectating in on uh, on my on like the EDH server that I play on uh, the Commander Library, and uh, there was just a bunch of my mates. And just to set it up real quick, there was an artifact deck, and that's what I want to talk about right now. And there was a deck that literally just wants to draw cards, and they had a Smothering Tithe and a Consecrated Sphinx on the, on the field. <clears throat> so. The artifact player had Smothering Tithe out. Sorry, they had Ristic Study. Sorry, it was Ristic Study and uh, uh, Consecrated Sphinx, if I can ever remember the names. And the artifact deck was like, well, I'll play Smothering Tithe, go around a couple of times at the table. And he ended up with about 34 to 35 treasures on the field. He then resolved a Tezzeret Master of the Bridge, which is the Biobox promo from War of the Spark that says... Uh, it's a six CMC, so two, uh, four, a blue and a black for a five loyalty planeswalker that says plus two Tezzeret Master of the Bridge deals X damage to each opponent where X is the number of artifacts you control. You gain X life. Let's just say he resolved that, upticked it, and won the game. That was a lot of fun to be a part of. And gained uh, 105 life for the threat. Oh, yeah. Gained a lot of life. <laughs> the game was over, obviously, at that point. And that's kind of been like a running joke in the server at the moment. Uh, one of the players who was in there was very much like, well, you now have 34 losses to get through before I'm going to stop attacking you. Uh, <laughs> so he's, I think he's down to like 22 now, 22 losses to go until he can stop being attacked by this one player. <laughs> they know, they know who they are. <laughs> so That's petty. I mean, it's it keeps it fun. I mean, we all like to swing at each other. Uh, I normally do get a lot of uh, early on onset hate. It's because I play like lower to the ground CMC plays. Like I, the, I've been playing the Taser deck a lot, and that's three point five average CMC. So I can get a lot of things out really quickly before anyone can do anything. And then they're like, "Oh well, all my removal spells are gonna be blown up on James." Yeah, there are certain cards that people play that. Just inspire me to attack them. You can hear all about those in uh, last week's episode. Yeah, most definitely. Um, definitely go check that out. But today, like James said at the beginning, we're going to be talking about um, underrated and overrated cards in our opinion. Again, I usually like to preface these episodes with the fact that these are our opinions, so they can be wrong, <coughs> you can agree with us. Either way, we'd like to hear from you. So uh, we'll give you more information about that at the end of the episode. Uh, but for right now, James, if you want to just... Uh, dive into it let's dive in yeah let's get into it let's main phase one all right so we have no pre we have no effects to go off at our uh, at the beginning of our pre-combat main phase so the first card i have i want to talk about here is uh 
a very underrated card that you had actually brought to light to me that I had never really heard of and was like, meh, it's okay. But now I'm looking at it more. I'm going, that's a card that should be played a lot more. That card is a uh, Relic of Progenitus. So Relic of Progenitus is a one CMC artifact that says tap target player exiles a card from his or her graveyard, has an activated ability of one and exile Relic of Progenitus, exile all cards from all graveyards, draw a card. So obviously you don't really want to be playing this if you are playing one of those graveyard-based decks, but if you have little to no use for your graveyard at all, this is essentially one mana, make the graveyard player or players play extremely inoptimally, right? So they have to play around this card existing at all times, or at the absolute very worst, if nobody else is playing a graveyard-based deck, it cycles itself. Yeah, exactly. So there is almost no downside to playing this card if you're not one of these graveyard-based decks, and the upside is extremely high, right? This is one mana to like, disrupt an opponent's entire playstyle, and that's an effect that I feel like is probably worth taking the risk of it being a, quote, dead, unquote, draw, <laughs> even though it literally never is a dead draw. No, like you said, at least it, it cycles itself through you, have a, you can exile everybody's graveyard. And even if you aren't playing against like <clears throat> a full graveyard deck, like some of the decks that are, a lot of the decks that I play, I want to be able to get things out of the graveyard. So it's not full recursion. It's not, it's not a full recursion deck. So I've got a full recursion package in there, but I've got a little splice of cards here and there kind of thing. Like again, like the Taser deck, you know, we, we all know how it goes. Uh, the Calamax deck also has like uh, flashback cards and and uh, cards that you had played from the graveyard. Um, I know this specifically like shuts down like Marin decks. Um, I'm seeing a lot of those lately in my meta. Um, I played against uh, was it Elsha the Infinite, <clears throat> who was like was it uh, Rites of Passage or Pact uh, or whatever that Pact of someone that it's the card that gives everything uh, flashback in your graveyard. Um, pa uh, past in flames. Past in flames. That's the one. Yeah. So past in flames into in a mana Gaia, and then it was like, <clears throat> there's twenty five to thirty mana. If I had just been able to get rid of that one card, it wouldn't have been so bad. Right. And most of the time, like even decks that aren't graveyard dedicated, like a lot of green decks run, you know, either regrowth or eternal witness. Um, some decks just coincidentally have that, and you just get pure value off of this card. Again, just for existing. Uh, I have personally never seen anybody besides myself play it in any of my metas. And I feel like that's really a crime to how good this card is. Um, yeah, definitely. Most definitely. I mean, like, that's it's a card that I'm going to try and slot into some of my decks, I think, um, to try and get, like, that value and the flavor out of it. But uh, moving on, we have a actual, a first colored card talk about here so we're, we're going to be doing six of each so we just did our colorless card so the first card the next card we're going to talk about is ritual of the machine another card that i had just never heard of before so ritual of the machine is two black black for a sorcery that says sacrifice a creature to gain control of target non-black non-artifact creature uh this is a card that was actually brought to my attention um when I first started playing Commander, is this was around the time that um, the 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 what Marin was twenty fifteen? I think yeah, it was twenty fifteen. I think so. Yeah, this is around the time that the 2014-2015 decks were coming out. 
Um, I was what I was really into, still am Commander versus on Star City Games, and at that time they were playing one v one games, and Justin Parnell had a uh, Mardu token build with uh, ta- um, what is Tavriel Tavriel at the helm, yeah. Reckoner of Souls, and he played this card, <laughs> you know, to sack a token to steal something, and I thought, wow, that card is amazing. Um, at, at the time, it didn't really seem incredible, but as I played more and more, you know, people were playing Avacyn's, uh, uh, like, like a t- you know, like Primeval Titan, not Primeval Titan, uh, Sun Titan, Grave Titan. Yeah, not sorry, not Grave Titan. <laughs> you, you can't steal that <laughs> one. But you, you got the idea. They play all these big creatures that are very hard to get rid of, but why get rid of it when you can just take it? You know, and nobody expects this kind of effect out of black. Right. So you usually get to get away with this because people aren't prepared for that. They're prepared for it to be removed, but they're not prepared for it to be stolen. Yeah. So you can usually get a lot of value off this card, stealing things like uh, Avacyn, Elish Norn. Uh, you can steal someone's like Warren Clex, blah, 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 blah. The list goes on and on. But the uh, really underplayed card, again, this is a card that I haven't really seen anybody besides myself play. And I think I'd like to see it see more play. Very underappreciated, I think. Yeah, so, like, why have to get rid of someone's permanent if you can just use it against them? Like, Avacyn makes everything indestructible, I believe, or is it hexproof? It's one of them. Indestructible. Indestructible. <clears throat> yeah, imagine just doing someone just being like, well, I'm just going to take this for now, and if you've got no way to remove it because you've blown all your removal spells on all of my good creatures, then I'm just going to take this and use it against you. And I think Avacyn's probably one of the one of the best targets for this card besides maybe something else that kind of takes something else. Um, it's just a real gotcha card and really sees a criminal amount of play. If, if any, like I said, I haven't seen anybody besides myself play it. I had never, like I said, I'd never even heard of the card until now. A lot of these cards in the, like the underplayed or the underplayed such underrated cards. I hadn't even heard of until we were putting together this list and I'm like, Oh man, that's a card. That's also a card. Actually, I think um, only one of the cards on the underrated list was one that James had ever heard of. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> um, my, speaking of cards we've never heard of. My knowledge of uh, of cards and card libraries, very small at the moment. I mean, I haven't <laughs> been playing. For, I've been playing Magic for donkey's years, but I have only been playing Commander for two years now. And I feel like that's like nothing compared to people who've been playing it since you know, the, the format was popularized back in the day. So moving on, the next card we're going to talk about is the blue card. So this card, this is one of those cards that I was like, dang, man, I want to play with this card. So <laughs> the card is Sphinx's Ambassador. Sphinx, sorry, Sphinx Ambassador is a five blue, blue, five, five creature Sphinx that has flying. Whenever, whenever Sphinx, Sphinx Ambassador deals combat damage to a player, search that player's library for a card. Then that player names a card. If you search for a creature card that isn't the named card, you may put it into the battlefield under your control. Then that player's library is then shuffled. So as you can imagine, a card like this in a format where roughly 70 of the cards in your deck are going to be unique, meaning like, you know, because obviously basics are going to be repeats. Um, your opponent literally has to know their entire deck list, which some do, admittedly. I, I know most of mine. And 
they have to guess exactly the creature that you picked, right? That's pretty difficult. So wait, on average, you're going to have around maybe 25 unique creatures in any given commander deck. Usually, more, sometimes more than that, sometimes less, depending on the deck. So, I mean, you don't but, play um, commander with, like, architect open with your deck list to be like, all right, I played this card, I played that card, what's left in my deck? <laughs> I mean, granted, um, I've done that a couple of times when I was playing, like, a new, it was a new combo deck, and I was like, what the hell is in my library? Uh, what did I put in there again? Because <laughs> I went through many um, different iterations, and I was like, uh, architect open. That'll tell me exactly what's in my in, in my library at the time. So this isn't exactly the best blue card, but man, is it a fun card. And I have never seen this card played. I knew it existed. That's it. I've never seen it played ever. Just this innocuous mythic rare from Corset 2010 that nobody plays. I'm sure 90% of the people listening to this don't even know what this card is. Until now, obviously. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think it's a really fun card that should see more play based on just the fact of how much fun it gives. Well, I mean, you get to go um, through someone else's library, which means you get to see what's in their library as well. So it kind of gives you this extra, you know, you you get a, a chance to take their permanent, but then you also get to look through the library and see what they're going to play later. All right. And sometimes like. Randomly, you can get a combo piece, right? Like yeah. Sphinx Ambassador, attack them, and you... I mean, chances are that they will name the combo piece, right? But uh, even so, you get to see what their combo is, and you can prepare yourself better to, you know, go against it, or let everybody else at the table know. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, this guy... This guy. Hey, this guy's going for Kiki Jiki's uh, Zealous Conscript combo. <laughs> uh, a combo we had talked about pre-recording this episode, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so moving on from Sphinx Ambassador, I think the next card we're going to talk about is a the green card that we think is underplayed or underrated. That is Time of Need. Now, Time of Need is not a card that, again, I had ever heard of. And I think it's just, it's a fantastic card. Uh, it's one and a green for a sorcery that says, search your library for a legendary creature creature card, reveal it, put it to your hand, then shuffle your library. So black is known for tutors. This is an established fact. Yep. Uh, they they just do it best. Search library for any card. Um, in commander, you often play a lot of these random legendary creatures just for value. Um, a few that come to mind. I I just mentioned Kiki Jiki. That's always one. Um, Captain Sisse. If you're playing like a five color Captain Sisse build, uh, you can usually fetch something out with time of need. If you're playing, uh, James mentioned Kethis before this, which is a card that I had forgotten existed. Yeah. But uh, Time of Need is pretty good there. Well, because Kethis was a deck that I was actually looking at building at one point, which is why as soon as you say, like, search for a, a legendary card or anything to do with legendaries, I'm like, Kethis. That's <laughs> in my brain. Um, it can search up, like, any of the Praetors. Those are all legendary. You can search up Avacyn, we just mentioned before. Just all these value legendary creatures, the, the high impact ones, they can fetch them out you for get, like, two mana. Solvala, and it is, of the wild. That's, that's another good one. And you could even play it if Savala is your commander, you can play Time Need because, again, it's a mono green tutor. Right? It's not black, it's not blue, it's not white. This is a mono green tutor, and I think the amount of value it gives doesn't justify. I'm sorry, I think the amount of 
play that it sees does not justify how much value it gives. Definitely. That's the proper word. And so, uh, with that, I think I'm content to move on to the next one, if you are. We've only got two cards left to talk about before we go to a, before we go to a commercial here. So the next card we're going to talk about is the only card that I knew on this list. <clears throat> and that's because it was played in the Calamax list. I'm going to pause for dramatic effect, see if anyone can guess the card before we say it. Did you guys get it? Because I know what it is. It's Lightning Bolt. Lightning Bolt should be played more in Commander. It's such a cool card. It's such a fun card. It's such a great card. So Lightning Bolt is one red for an incident that says Lightning Bolt deals three damage to any target. So the reason why we believe Lightning Bolt is underplayed is because there's a lot of coincidental stuff that just happens to kill, right? Like there are a lot of commanders that are X2s or X3s, X1s. Um, let's see. There's Timna. Timna's a popular commander. She's a 2-2. There is... It doesn't kill Girid. It does kill Vile Smasher. Um, I'm, I'm struggling to remember like specific commander names right now. We just mentioned Kethis. I believe Kethis is a 3-3, if I'm not mistaken. Um, doesn't kill Golos. because <laughs> He's a 3-5, because that card's really fair. Um, well, okay. So I'm not going to waste time naming cards. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can look up, and you know, I'm sure in your own meta you can see what it does or does not kill. But um, even outside of just the commanders, Lightning Bolt kills these random, you know, like little itty bitty creatures. And sometimes you can even use it for the finishing blow, like James did to me in a heartless crushing of my my dreams. Yep, <laughs> did it, copied it, hit him for nine, win the game. <laughs> We are the um, champions played by Queen in the background. Everyone's cheering and screaming my name, and I go Lightning Bolt for the win. So, uh, Lightning Bolt, also called one of the, uh, I think it's one of the original five boons, I think is what that cycle was called. Back in like Alpha Beta Unlimited, they were one of each color. There was like Ancestral Recall, Lightning Bolt, uh, Healing Salve, Giant Growth, and Dark Ritual. They were all one mana of that color that did something in the amount of three. So like Lightning Bolt was three damage, Dark Ritual was three black mana, Ancestral Recall was three cards, uh, Giant Growth is plus three plus three in stats, and White was you can prevent three damage or uh, heal three or restore three life to yourself or something. Gain three life maybe as it's gain three life. In this Sorry, game. I've uh, Hearst, Hearst, I've been playing Hearthstone a little <laughs> oh, bit. Okay. So. <laughs> I mean, like those, so just that cycle you talked about, that very much set up the early game, like the early versions of the color pie. It's very uh, much what those colors wanted to do. Yes, except uh, one of those things was not like the other, <laughs> uh, i.e. one blue mana draw three cards. Yeah. That one's slightly more powerful than the rest of them. But at any rate, um, Lightning Bolt, it sees a lot of play already in like modern legacy and stuff. And I think for the same reasons that it sees play there, it can see play here. Even if you only have one copy of it in your deck, this just gets such like random incremental value that I think it's worth a slot in most red decks. So like I mentioned earlier in the episode, I actually I played with the Alesha the Infinite or Elsha the Infinite, however you want to pronounce it. And uh, they played Lightning Bolt and they got rid of a very problematic permanent that I can't remember the name of it right now because this was like at least four hours ago at this point. If many remember anything longer than four hours ago, is a miracle. <clears throat> um, <laughs> just like us ending this list. So that's a miracle. The last card is not a miracle card. 
But the last card is a white card, and another white card that I had never heard of before, but it did just get a new reprint in the Commander 20 uh Commander oh, the Commander 20 decks that I'm not sure which one this came out of, but it's unexpectedly absent. So unexpectedly absent is X white white for an instant that says put target non-land permanent into the owner's library just beneath the top X cards of that library. Um, I run this in basically all of my white decks, or at least as many as I have copies to support. Um, so I run it in Elish Norn, I run this in Send Triplets, and one other deck that I'm failing to remember here. But uh, it is a universal answer to any non-land permanent, which is not common in white. Right? Usually we see it in, like, I think Oblation is a similar effect. But uh, for two white mana, you get to put something on top of its owner's library. It can even be your own thing if you want to save it, right? Or if you want to, like, rebuy an ETB or something. Uh, but it can answer artifacts, enchantments, creatures. Um, is that all the non-land permanent types? I think it might be. Planeswalkers. It even gets Planeswalkers, right? Um, and if you have a way to make them shuffle, then congratulations, you have... <laughs> Like premier actual premier white removal, it gets around indestructible. Uh, obviously, it doesn't get around like hexproof and stuff. But being being so modal and so universally applicable, and seeing so little play is really just mm. not cool, man. Play this card more; it deserves justice. Well, I understand that there are really good white removal cards out there, but this is one of them. And I feel like people are really overlooking this. In favor of cards like, I'm not going to say Source Class or Path because those are obviously really good cards. But in in terms of like, let's see, there's Council's Judgment. A lot of people play that now. Ever since that came out in Conspiracy, and um, I'm 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 failing to remember any other <laughs> white removal cards. But like, as more and more things come out, I think this thing is getting buried, and I really feel like it it shouldn't. Like it's really good. It's really, really good. Play with the card, and trust me, you will understand how good this card is. Paul says, "Just play with it, damn it." I was just thinking <laughs> as you were saying that. Uh, I mean, it makes you shuffle. I mean, you put it into their library, and one thing that commander players love to do is to go and again tutor for things, fetch lands, uh, ramp. If they want to ramp on their next turn, and they go, "Oh, well, I just shuffle away my permanent." You effectively chaos warped in white. I mean, it's a bit of mm-hmm. a ra- it's a bit of a roundabout way, but you've just chaos warped in white. And I mean, there's a lot of decks that want to be able to like shuffle almost every turn. So yeah, everybody plays fetch lands. Well, almost everybody plays fetch. Lands. Anyone who has access so, to fetch lands plays fetch lands. And let me sh- let me tell you, there's nothing more priceless than the face of a player who goes crack fetch, and you say in response, Ooh. they will always be scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a lot of fun. Uh, in, in in response, Avon Mind Sensor. <laughs> I only look at the top four. Uh, in response, Unexpected Absent put their permanent back in and it's shuffled away for good. Well, and they don't have a choice. They, they have to search their library. Yeah. Because the effect's already on the stack. Now, we're going to pass through our main phase one and we're going to go to combat. Today, we have but one trick. We're going to give all of our creatures plus three, plus three. And we're going to go to combat. I'm going to swing out. So we will see (laughs) you after our sponsored message right now. 
welcome back from the combat step. How was that combat step? Did you win in the combat step? Was that something that happened? Or is it just me who likes to swing out and win with Gear Ed and other big old flashy decks? Oh, like like Gishath. I played Gishath the other day, actually, and I won in combat. I swung out with some big old fatty dinosaurs and won the game. It was fantastic. You know what's funny is that before we started this list, I was going to say that Regal Behemoth is an underrated card, but I forgot how popular dinosaurs are now. Yeah, dude. So <laughs> Dinosaurs are the shit. I love them. I love that dinosaur deck that I put together. Um, it's a lot of fun. It needs a, little, needs a little bit of tuning. It was very much one of those decks where I just like, I threw together really quickly um, with our meta like in mind, but not really like what I actually needed. So it had a lot of fight effects as removal, but then I forgot that People in our playgroup like to play with, you know, hex proof and indestructible things. And it's kind of like, <laughs> I didn't think of a way to get around that. So I need to go back and like kind of retune it to make it a little bit better. But still a solid list. I actually changed it from, I mean, when I play it, it's, it's Gishath, the Sun's, I think it's Sun's Avatar. And then, yes, so. <clears throat> uh, and then when Michaela plays it, she plays it as Zukama Primal Calamity. I like the I like to be able to swing out with combat damage and put boots on my little dinosaur and watch him have little cute <laughs> boots. <laughs> so combat phase is over. Let's move through to main phase two, where we can play all of our sorcery spells again, and we can also cast all of our artifacts and enchantments and anything that hasn't got flash on it. So the first card we're going to talk about here is a card that I see played a lot more than I thought I was going to, especially playing uh, with a wider range of people uh, in the community, uh, over Discord, uh, in the Channel Fireball Discord, uh, in my own personal Discord that, you know, people can join and hang out and play Magic. Um, but that is Sensei's Divining Top. So Sensei's Divining Top, as everyone should know, is a one mana artifact that has two activated abilities. The first one is one mana, Look at the top three cards of your library, then put them back in any order. Tap, draw a card, then put Sensei's Divining Top uh, top on top of its owner's library. Put the top on top. Um, <clears throat> so I started playing Magic a lot when I was in college. And one of the people I played with said, I only build as many commander decks as I have copies of Sensei's Divining Top. And I was like, wow. That is astounding. <laughs> so wait, um, how many copies of Sensei's Divining Top did he have? Um, at the time, I think he said he had like seven or eight. Jeez. Um, but at any rate, don't do that. I don't even like, have this one. card. <laughs> this card is good. Don't get me wrong. But I think without a specifically dedicated amount of shuffle effects with it, it really doesn't do much for you. If your deck is playing like, I would say play no fewer than like 10 shuffle effects for this card at that point it becomes okay if you have less than that though this card really is not doing much for you like i understand that yes it says tap draw card it's not really even card advantage because you're denying your next draw um the activated ability to look at the top three is really what you play this card for and without enough shuffle effects to see three new cards off of it it really is not doing much for you and I feel like this is one of those cards that people play just because uh, they see it played a lot and they feel like they should be playing. Yeah. Right? I'm yeah, sure I'm not the I only mean, one that feels this the way. The decks that I've seen it in have mainly been uh, the Yuriko uh, uh, 
ninjutsu commander. And I mean, I totally get that there because you want the card selection to put things back on top of your library in the order that you want it so that you can hit everybody for the most amount of damage instead of just ripping off blind. Um, oh, yeah, of course. So, I mean, I think it's got its place in certain decks, but I think just saying that, well, I've got <clears throat> seven copies and I'm going to put them in every single deck because reasons, I think that's the wrong way to go about it. Right. And that one's probably a little bit of a hot take, probably the hottest take we've had on the show yet. Yeah. But um, I think if you really like analyze the card closely, you will you will understand what I mean. Um, that being said, though, I'm content to go ahead and yeah. uh, move on. So let's move on to the next card. The next one in the, in the list of overrated and overplayed cards is actually a card that I like to play, but I can totally see why we put it on this list. That is uh, Torment of Hailfire. So Torment of Hailfire is the X black black sorcery that says repeat the following X. Uh, sorry, repeat the following process X times. Each opponent loses three life uh, unless that player sacrifices a non-land permanent or discards a card. So I've played this effectively twice in since putting it in, in decks. I had it originally in my Herpy Derpy uh, Muldrotha deck that kind of dirtled and didn't really do anything. And I was kind of like, well, if I play, you know, uh, Lord of, and this was just, this was the way that I thought about Commander back in the day. If I play like Lord of Extinction, you know, him being a 50-50 or whatever, playing, uh, as a Karanzda, uh, Guild Mage, the one that says like sack creature and then make that many tokens equal to its power. That's 50 creatures playing bloody Ashnod's Altar, making stupid amounts of like colored, colorless mana and then having the two pips to be able to pay for it. And then Torment of Hellfiring for however many. I mean, I never, I never got to do it in that deck. So in that, deck, <laughs> in that deck, it was, it was a dead card. It was a dead line of play. Honestly, I think I should have, like, this was very early on, on in my command, my, uh, my, my commander career. So <clears throat> since then, I've gotten better at analyzing cards and analyzing plays and more effective lines of plays to get to where I want to be. And I think every time I've gone to play this card. I've only successfully cast it once, and that was for a win. And it shouldn't have even been a win. Uh, we were just we were low on time uh, when we were playing. Uh, we were playing at the bookstore that we play at, uh, as our pod does. Sorry, our our, our playgroup did. And it was like ten o'clock. We had to just you know, kind of shuffle up and get everything packed up and ready to go and leave. Um, and I went torment of hellfire x equaling thirty, and the and who I was versing could have easily have discarded enough cards or sacrificed enough permanents to put himself behind, but not taken the damage in one. But because of the time, it was like, well, I'll just scoop this up and off I go kind of thing. So I haven't actually played this for a win yet. I've played it for, like, I've played this for value, um, but I don't think it's good enough to dedicate a full slot of your deck to be able to do this effect. So, so this is obviously a good card right oh, yeah. i'm not saying it's a bad card no the reason i personally I. think that it's the reason i personally think that it's overrated is because it's overplayed which i know those kind of mean the same thing but um this card like I, f I feel like there's better like more consistent win cons and th this one only really works when you have like infinite mana 
right? You have infinite mana, you pay infinite mana into X, and there you go, you win. And I feel like because of how many people see that and want to abuse that, this card just sees more play than it really should. I feel like it's one of those black cards that people are like, oh, everybody's playing this, so I may as well play it. And at this point, it's like just such a stale win con, in my opinion. And I even play this. A a lot more fun win cons, especially in black and black inclusive decks that you don't really need Torment of Hailfire. Um, But I mean, it for me, it's very much what you just said there. You know, it's a big X spell. That's what I wanted to do in Commander is I wanted to be able to cast all these really big, big spells like X equaling 50 or X equaling 100. But now I've come to realize that even just X equaling 15 is still great. I mean, it doesn't really specifically probably get you the win. Um, but I think, yeah, it's just, it's it's a little overplayed. And I think it could free up a slot in your deck for something else. Um, and like, I even play this in, I, I have a, a Timna, uh, not Timna, sorry, Gracios and Vile Smasher Storm deck. And I play this as a win con in that deck, you know, because infinite mana, blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, and even there, like, I hate casting this card. It's just so stale. It's so boring and so bland. Um, that being said, uh, I think this next card that we're going to talk about is one of the most misplayed cards overplayed misplayed cards like that we could possibly talk about and i'm gonna go ahead and let james go introduce it so the card that paul was just talking about is brainstorm brainstorm is a one blue mana pip for an instant that says draw three cards then put two cards on top uh, from your hand on top of your library in any order again and this is very similar to the reasoning for Sensei's Divining Top, is that, yes, it's one blue mana, it's instant, you draw three fresh cards, right? That's really good. Ancestral Recall, one of the Power Nine, does the same thing. But that second part is what a lot of people, uh, I feel like, overlook, to put two cards from your hand on top of your library. And I feel like a lot of people play this card just to draw three cards without realizing, oh, crap. I'm drawing two of the same cards I just had in my hand. And again, the same, like I said, the same reasoning as Sensei Divining Top. If you're not playing enough shuffle effects in your deck, this card is not good. It's not good. <laughs> I would even reckon that this card should be in maybe one out of every 10 decks, even if you do have the shuffle effects. Like, the, 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 this card is... If you're not playing combo, you should not be playing this card. There, yeah. I said it. <clears throat> I said it. Agreed. Done. I Agreed. went there. <laughs> Play Visions of Beyond. It's effectively just a better card. It's the same price. Draws you. I, I mean, it can draw you the same amount of cards as Ancestral Recall. Yes, there's a clause on it that says you have to have 20 cards in a graveyard. But if you're playing against someone who's playing with their graveyard or someone who's milling someone else out, then they're going to have that. Boom. Done. Three cards for one mana. Yeah, uh, like I said, if you're not dedicated to combo, you do not need this card, and you should not be playing it. So the next card we're going to talk about is the green card, and that is a card that I've been, again, I've been seeing a lot in my playgroups, playing online. Uh, It got cast, so (sighs) this is why this card came on this list. I was playing against a pod just before we recorded this, this podcast episode, 
And it came down to me playing Taser, so black and white, versus a Damia Sage of Stone deck, I believe it's called. Damia mm-hmm. Sa- uh, Sage of Stone. It's mm-hmm. the the Saltide deck. Uh, and he went, Carpet of Flowers. And I went, hold on, I'll count my islands for you. Oh, wait, I have none. <laughs> so, again, just to reiterate, the card that we're talking about is Carpet of Flowers. Carpet of Flowers is a one green for an enchantment that says during your main phase, you may add up to X mana of one color to your mana pool where X is the target. Oh, sorry, where X is the number of islands target opponent controls. So again, he went, well, I'll just play Carpet of Flowers. And I'm like, well, that was just, a, again, it's just a dead card. It's significantly better, I, I believe, in higher play, like higher tier play. So when you get into like all those, like when everyone's playing blue, you know, you got your Thrasios and your your Vile Smashers. What is it? Thrasios and uh, what's the top one at the moment? Uh, I think it's usually either Thrasios. I think it's Thrasios and Tinder is is the most popular combination. Okay, it's not. I don't. I don't play high tier. I don't like pretend that I know anything about high tier or like like that CEDH era. This is I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty is- sure Thrasios and Timna, TNT. Yeah, okay. I think that's the most popular okay. one. But this, so Carpet of Flowers is fantastic in those higher played tiered games where everyone's playing blue. I mean, but where you get into the lower mid games and people are playing Naya or Jund or Ozov and there's no blue to be seen, this is just a dead card in your 99. So. And like this, this card gets especially good later on in the game when people have like, you know, four or five islands. But early on in the game, I feel like. This doesn't really provide more value than most of your typical ramp cards, right? Like, let's say that somebody untaps. Uh, I'm sorry, not untaps. First turn, plays an island, pass. And you played Carpet of Flowers, right? Now on your turn two, you have three mana. That's the same as if you had played a soul ring. Yeah. Right? I just, but, I just, I feel like, so the, like the amount of value it gives is really overestimated. Again, like in the higher tiers, you see Carpet of Flowers more often because it does give you that early lead advantage over playing like a ramp spell. But when like the motto for, for mid is I'm here for a good time. Sorry, I'm here for a long time and a good time. This card just doesn't do as much as you would want it to do or think it's going to do over, say, I know it's one extra mana, but a rampant growth that will get you a land on, on, onto the field. Right. And like I, I, I definitely agree. I like I, this card is definitely good, obviously. And um, you see blue a lot in more competitive games, and there it's you know it's great. It's like running a second copy of Soul Ring or something. Um, you can also get kind of cute with it. Like if you know somebody's playing blue because you can see their commander, you can hold on to it. And turn two, you can play it, and then you can add the mana in your second main phase, so it kind of like refunds itself. You know, you can do cute stuff like that. But um, again, I think for lower tiered uh, games, this card is really not great. Even if you get like two or three mana off of it on turn five or six, I really think that there's just better things to run in that slot. Yeah. <clears throat> Talking about. And I actually just noticed um, all except one of the cards in our overrated slots here is one mana. It's really interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's it's they're caught. They are effective, and that's why the people are running them. But I think they're running them for the wrong reasons in the wrong decks. 
So again, like we're not saying that any of these cards are bad cards and you should feel bad for playing them by all, by all means, by all chances, like play the cards. We're just giving our personal opinions on why people should be reevaluating the cards they're playing in certain decks. So speaking on that point, that point alone, let's talk about the next card, Paul. So the next card is a card that I actually hadn't even thought of in these color, in this color, sorry. Um, I got a copy and even when I was playing it, I was like, why is this so good? Again, it was my very first mono red deck. Oh, spoilers. It's a red card. <laughs> so the card is Faithless Looting. And I know that I'm going to get a, we're going to get a, probably a lot of hate uh, from saying this, but Faithless Looting, I just don't think should be played in every single deck or as much as it actually is getting played. So I'll read the card real quick because I kind of forgot to do that. So Faithless Looting is one red for a sorcery that says draw two cards, then discard two cards. And it's got flashback for two and a red, which means you may cast this card from your graveyard for its flashback cost and then exile it. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and start off by saying that obviously Faithless Looting is a good card. Okay, there, I said it. Yeah, but and I agree with you. Despite the fact that it's a good card, we've had so many different forms of red card advantage printed since this card came out in um, uh, in a strat block. And I feel like because of how good this card is, these newer forms of card advantage aren't really seeing enough play to test how good they are, right? And, you know, we, like we've had... Uh, um, light up the stage is a form of card, uh, red card advantage. Uh, Chandra from Kaladesh, the four mana one, is a form of red card advantage. Uh, we have, I'm forgetting the name, there's a Rakdos card from Guilds of Ravnica that uh, is another form of red card advantage. A lot of these exile cards from the top, and then you get to play them until your next turn. Uh, Experimental Frenzy is another form of red card advantage, and it's a really, really, really good one that I feel like also probably doesn't see enough play. There's an extra underrated one for you. Um, I could be wrong on that. Maybe my meta just doesn't um, have that card or know what that card is. So I'm open to dissenting opinions on that one. But I'd like to see Faithless Looting see a little less play and other forms of red card advantage see more play just so we can see what exactly is effective and what's not. Let's get there and venture out and see what other cards we could play that will do almost the same thing, or if not better. And if we kind of lump ourselves in like, well, red card draw has to be Faithless Looting, then we're not going to go and experiment with our other cards, like Experimental Frenzy, or possibly Atali. I mean, Atali's great. It's a six- Atali's a good one. It's a six mana, I believe, five, five? That has an on that has a, an on attack trigger that lets you exile top card of each of everyone's library and play those cards for free. Now that- that is a card advantage card that I love. It's a dinosaur. I play it in Gishath. It's fantastic. So, there's also a stolen strategy from uh, Battle Stolen Bond. strategy another, is another good card too. It's another good one. Um, but we have our last card here, Paul. We're on our very last card of our 12 cards list that we had. So this is a hot take. This is another. I mean, I feel like all of the, all of these cards are hot takes, especially the Sensei's Divining Top. Um, and the brainstorm, but this last one is uh, the white card, 
it is another one mana white card. Uh, so it's land tax. Land tax is the one white uh, enchantment that says at the beginning of your upkeep, if an opponent controls more lands than you, you may search your library for up to three basic land cards, reveal them, and put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. So I've seen people try to play this card with like five or six basics in their deck. And I'm just I'm just thinking to myself, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like that Getting is those basics out. Thinning, thinning out that deck, Paul. Thinning okay, out that so deck by five cards. Deck deck thinning is not really a thing in Commander. Right? You've got 99 cards in your deck. Deck thinning is is not a big deal. Um I under- I understand the temptation with this card. It is definitely like an interesting potentially good card but i think if you're not in one or two colors and even two colors i would say maybe stretching it a little bit you shouldn't be playing land tax there's better ways to accomplish what this card is trying to do right i don't like i have a mono white deck i don't even play this card in that deck i play uh endless horizons instead which if you don't know what that card is look it up you'll you'll thank me later but like uh, if you have three colors, right, uh, it, you're probably not playing too many basics. And if you are, fine, whatever, go for it. But outside of that, this card just doesn't really do as much as it appears to. In my opinion, let me let me emphasize that. In my opinion, this card really does not accomplish much that other cards don't do more effectively or with, you know, other useless parts or useful parts to them not useless sorry <laughs> play this useless card with other useless cards and make just the <laughs> most useless deck in the world so that's our list did you guys like it did i like it i liked it i mean i helped put it together paul did you like it what, what were your what were your overall what are your final thoughts on on our underplayed and overplayed list um I think our underrated cards are pretty good. A few of our overrated ones might be hot takes. And I'm just going to go ahead and apologize right now for the little uh, history lesson I gave when we were explaining Lightning Bolt. I, I didn't mean to uh, go on on a little tangent there with the uh, the original boons and whatever. But uh, if you enjoy little facts like that, then uh, I hope you didn't know that and gleaned something from that. Hit us up. Uh, Let us know. You can do that by visiting our social medias. We have multiple ways of getting in contact with us. The first one is going to be the email address. So you can send us your deck text, your uh, you can send us your deck text, your episode submissions, and just fan letters and just say hi, how's it going? So the email address is commander at armspod at gmail.com. We've also got the Instagram, which is commander.at.arms, or just commander at arms in the search bar. Find us on there. I do deck I do uh, pack crackings and all that other fun stuff that you want to see. And Paul, he runs our Twitter account. And our Twitter handle is Paul. Our Twitter handle is at CMDR at arms. So if you want to get second contact- at is the actual word at. Yeah. So if you want to get in contact with us at all and hit us up with what cards you think are underplayed or what, ca- or your opinions on our overplayed cards, do it on Twitter, do it on Instagram, do it on an email. If you want to also support the show directly, you can support us through patreon.com slash commander at arms. We have three different tiers. We have a dollar tier, a $5 tier, and a $10 tier. The $1 tier is going to get you a shout out on this podcast. Right about now, I'm going to shout out all of our patrons right now. 
I love you all. You're all fantastic. And thank you for, for your support. The $5 tier gets you access to our Commander uh, Commander at Arms Discord server, where you can jump in, hang out with like-minded people, and play Magic with those said people. And us as well, because why not? And then we have our $15 tier. So Paul and I, we like to stream on Fridays, if we can ever get our setups properly done, set up and everything. Uh, we do that on twitch.tv slash Commander at Arms. We play Magic with all of our... Pa- with all of our uh, people on the discord server as well as the patrons in the 15 dollar tier so if you want to have a vip ask us anything and play magic against us uh uh, adventure then jump in there and, and support the show and i think with that we will see you in the next episode of commander at arms podcast